pod peepers, according to Kina. She called y'all peepers, so we're going to be peepers tonight. <laughs> this is episode 39 for our Crips, and welcome to Historical AF. I'm Natalie. And I'm Kina. We're a historian and a librarian, bringing you the funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you, knew you, knew you needed in your ear holes. I can English. Nah. Because uh, today <laughs> we're probably going to have a lot of fuck ton foreign words that I'm going to, I know I'm going to butcher. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. So tonight is cryptids or monsters. Mm-hmm. But I think most of us, by most of us, I mean Keena and I. That's not really. <laughs> I don't know how that works with most of us. Majority here, <laughs> we've researched cryptids mm-hmm. versus monsters. I, I went with more cryptids because. Halloween, I did a lot of monster stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, well, we kind of talked about some of that on Halloween. So I, I went more cryptid-ish. So that's why I say most of us. <laughs> and by that, I meant both of us. <laughs> yeah, and there were some others that I'd asked the internet for their opinions. And a lot of them were technically more folklore. And that, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, is coming up in the future. So I'm just going to save those for folklore. So I try to stay with the cryptids little less blurry lines on what's what because some things are more legend than cryptid and i did not realize that so i started yeah. researching something and it was like the urban legend i was like god damn it <laughs> found something different some of mine might end up being more urban legend but they're just too cool to pass up and i'm like we're putting it in there and you know colts was kind of dark so this is just gonna be our uh liven it up you know mm-hmm. <laughs> make it a little light <laughs> Hopefully, we'll find out. <laughs> I, know, I was thinking about one of mine. I'm like, mm, no, it's still dark. But you will be happy to know I do not have morbid. So <laughs> there's no suicide or something crazy like that this week for me. <laughs> it's true. I know you've had morbid a lot. Yeah, mine has murder. Yeah, there's murder. It's it's not great, but it's, you could argue that it's not real. So maybe yeah. not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> it's, it's hard to say. Hard to say. So how are you? How was your week? Uh, sickly, but much better now. I sound more like a female, less like a male. So I'm I'm happily getting less and less sick, and I enjoy that. Oh. But other than that, I, I binge-watched the show You, because everyone's been talking about it. So I finally watched it. I enjoyed it. What I don't get is the memes being like, Joe out here murdering bitches and he can still answer a text message. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's not make him out to be a good boyfriend. Let's not do that. Yeah. I mean, he's got serious red flags. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My enjoyment, though, is the millennial jokes. Oh. Uh, Which is people that over-obsess with social media and have to post everything on social media or... They have to keep a certain reputation, and it's just oh, it's just crazy. And mm-hmm. I know people that are like that, and I know people that are the other extreme either, where they think they're better than you because they don't have social media. Yeah. Fun fact, either way, you're not. Yeah, yeah he, it also makes a good point of how easy it is to stalk people right now because you can like, yeah. geolocate basically anything. And I've thought of that because... My Facebook's private, but I've posted pictures of my house, and they have a thing now where you can Google search a photo. So if yep. you Google searched a photo of my house when I bought my house, when I was like, ooh, look at our new house, you could find out my address. So yep. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I should have thought of that. But, you know, lessons have been learned. But it's private, <laughs> so don't stalk me. <laughs> but it made me think. I'm like, oh, yeah, when you post, you're somewhere and you say, I'm here. People know exactly where you're at and how to find you and when you go places. And not that I think I have any stalkers, but, you know. It's if I scary. do, I post things usually like three days after I do something. So good luck. Because I forget to post. You're going to just see a lot of paintings. Like, <laughs> it's true. That's about all I talk about. Yeah. And it's okay. If you want to have a conversation, you can message me. That's, yeah. And y'all are always welcome to message me, by the way. Like, that's fine. I'm okay with that. It might take me two days to respond, but it's not <laughs> any offense. Sometimes I don't respond to my mom. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, we uh, people get shocked that we answer messages. Of course we do. It's yeah. fun. I'm awesome. I like yeah. y'all. I enjoy it. You guys are lovely. If you yeah. think I'm funny, I will. I will adore you. That's all. I know I we we just met Miss Stacy. Uh, she is coming up in our mini gab this week, and she is lovely. I really, I really like her. Me too. It was a great time. I. I had such a great time. Our Patreon members are some of the most lovely, funny, interesting people. Yeah. So we're totally so not biased, but y'all are my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, shameless plug if you want to be on our mini gabs, join Patreon, and then also you could win a prize because we're going to do a thing where you can get like a ghost hunting kit. So, no big deal. Anyway, Just sign up. I, yeah, sign up. <laughs> but yeah, I also liked in you the psychological aspect from the stalker's point of view. It was really interesting because a lot of times you get the other side. So I did like that. I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. Second season was like a little wild. I like the second season a lot. I <laughs> yeah. The other one, The Witcher. I cannot get that song out of my head. Toss according to your Witcher. Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Emery, <laughs> on the other hand, no. He's been singing it every, every 10 minutes. <laughs> I had it out of my head, and then somebody mentioned it, and somebody sent me the metal version of it, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So then I shared it with everybody. I'm like, if I have to suffer, you do too. I will say the bard is probably my favorite character. Him and the witcher, the bard and the witcher, and their whole dynamic is just magic so to me. Funny. I love it. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed that series. Now I'm really sad because everything's over. I've binged the witcher. I've binged the Mandalorian. Everything's gone. I know. I that's why I'm like, well, I guess I'll watch you because my mom's <laughs> been telling me to watch it for a few weeks. Yeah. yeah, we're so interesting. We watch a lot of TV. Try to try to keep up with the pop culture and all that. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we roll? <laughs> should we roll to see who goes first? I just After threw that, it. of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, spooky. That's you. It is me. Okay, so I found an article that is called The Five Spookiest Cryptids You've Ever Heard Of, or You've Never Heard Of, excuse me. The Five Spookiest Cryptids You've Never Heard Of. So, number one is Corn Wolves. Okay. Which, uh, which have you sold at the name? Corn Wolves. <laughs> As if anyone needed another reason to stay out of creepy cornfields, in some rural areas of the United States, so the legend goes, there are corn wolves that wander the cornfields looking for small children who might have wandered in by accident to devour. Mm. No, you already got those like children of the corn shit. No, I know. <laughs> I know Malachi and his pet wolf. God damn. 
I see no chance. I heard it myself, the author, of course, from a friend who grew up in rural Pennsylvania. The corn wolves are most likely based on the Roggen wolf or rye wolf, a wolf in German legend who lived in rye fields and, of course, would devour children who were foolish enough to wander in. In addition, the legend seems to be popular mainly in areas both that produce large quantities of corn and have a history of German immigration to the settlement. Oh, no. This excludes the legend from places like Minnesota with history that centers around Scandinavian immigrants and includes areas like Nebraska or Pennsylvania. So stay out of the corn, y'all. New Braunfels <laughs> is like the most German town I've ever been to. Do I need to stay away from the cornfields there? Probably. <laughs> I'm just, let's just be safe. Stay out of all cornfields. You never know what's in there. <laughs> Aliens. Uh, number two, which the name of it is what's selling me on these guys. <laughs> <laughs> the Honey Island Swamp Monster. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Uh, this, more. Of course. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Okay. So local to the Honey Island Swamp in Louisiana, legend says that in the early 20th century, a circus train overturned and released a group of chimpanzees into the wild where they mated with local alligators. Oh, my God. (laughs) 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 Yep. (laughs) And it goes on to say, likely not even a little, but the description <laughs> is enough to spook anybody. The Honey Island Swamp Monster is supposedly bi- bipedal and <laughs> about seven feet tall with yellow eyes and webbed toes. I don't know why the webbed toes is important, but it is apparently. I need somebody with webbed toes once. Cited <laughs> for the first time in 1963 by... Harlan Ford and his friendly Billy Mills. The monster disappeared and didn't resurface again until 1974. That plus a couple plaster casts of its footprints and allegedly a videotape of the monster itself are all in the evidence that points to the existence of the Honey Island Swamp Monster. But even with the likelihood of a hoax, Ford and Mills did find a wild boar with its throat gashed nearby. So, real or not, there's something in the woods, y'all. Something in the swamp. Hmm. Oh, man. You know, that would be a weird mating situation. Yeah. Because apes are basically people. We share a common ancestor, so they're basically people. That's a... No, thanks. Yeah, I don't... it's, It's too hard to believe that it's that, but it's the fact that they did find something that was slashed and... And they have supposed weird footprints and evidence and whatnot. That gets me. So I'm like, even if they're completely wrong about what exactly is out mm-hmm. there, there's still that pretty cool theory. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, number three is the Loveland Frog. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is funny. I don't know. It's so spooky. But it just was like <laughs> spooky funny. And I just could not resist. So this cryptid. The inspiration behind the 2014 musical, and no, that is not a joke, Hot Damn is the Loveland Frog. Oh my was, god. Yeah. <laughs> was cited in 1955. The story goes that a businessman was traveling alone on an unnamed road late at night in Loveland, Loveland, Ohio, 
when he saw three figures, three or four feet tall, standing by the side of the road with a skin like leather and the faces of frogs. <laughs> you just can't make this up. Oh, wow. <laughs> In 1972, locals briefly thought the Loveland frog had resurfaced when a Loveland police officer spotted a large unidentified animal scurrying across the road and standing erect to climb over a guardrail, but just turned out to be a tailless iguana. (laughs) (laughs) There have been Loveland frogs, that's a hard word to say, Loveland frog, I just want to put Loveland frog. Loveland Frog sightings as recently as 2016 when two teenagers playing Pokemon Go, of course, (laughs) and Loveland claimed to have seen a giant frog stand up and walk on its hind legs playing the game out into the wilderness. So either it's the Loveland Frog for real or real life Pokemon. Okay with that. Poor kids. Probably traumatized for life. I I wanted to play my game. (laughs) Like the one time I go outside. (laughs) It's true. <laughs> oh, man. That's, um, that's wild. Yep. Number four, the Beast of Bladenboro. No, okay. That sounds good. It's a Bladenboro. Probably Bladenboro. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> so, the tale of the Beast of Bladenboro is one of the more convoluted ones. Native to Bladenboro, North Carolina. The beast has made its first appearance in the late December of 1953. The first signs of its appearance were the sudden deaths of multiple dogs in the vicinity. Oh, no, not the puppies! <laughs> All had their heads crushed and had been drained of blood, adding a layer of complexity to what might have been ah. work. Was like, was the person like a hungry cougar or a bear? In addition to this, most sightings reported something that initially looked like a mountain lion, but at second glance appeared much bigger, and the tracks were left apparently enormous. They were huge tracks. Oh, wow. The hunt for the beast appeared to end in January of 1954, so about a month of searching. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because it started in December, ended in January, and there was a sighting three times. On January 13th, local farmer Luther Davis discovered a bobcat caught in a trap and turned it in, causing the mayor to declare the beast had finally been stopped. Oh, no. That same day, however, a man named Bruce Souls, on his way out of town, hit a 75 to 90 pound cat with his vehicle, killing it and beginning the argument that the true identity of the beast. To complicate things... (laughs) <laughs> Not only was there a third unnamed man credited in newspapers for the killing of the beast, but those involved give conflicting reports of what they saw. Some said it resembled a cougar, others said a wolverine, uh, some said just a wolf. However, with no attacks since 1954, most presume it's long dead. And interesting enough that it's now their mascot. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's fun. I mean, it's not tragic that it was, like, killing shit, but it's fun that it's a mascot now. I like that it's kind of spooky just because it actually did kill things. Like, there were things that were going missing. Like, there were dogs being killed, and we're not sure what it was. And that's kind Mm. of crazy. Yeah. (laughs) The last one is the Enfield Monster. 
And this isn't infield like baseball. This is a town called infield. Oh, yeah. That's in Illinois, right? That's where the Air Force Base is. Mm-hmm. Very good. Similar to the beast that we just talked about, this monster was first sighted in 1973 in Enfield, Illinois, by Henry McDaniel, who heard a scratching at the front door, and who later described the creature as three-legged, two-armed, and two big pink eyes. (laughs) (laughs) It apparently stood at around four and a half feet high, so four and a half feet high, and was grayish colored. McDaniel is also on record saying if they do find it, they will find more than one and they won't be from this planet. (laughs) He's like, I can tell you that. (laughs) Wow. Yep. It's one of those. Confidence. A local 10-year-old boy later claimed to researchers that it had been just a prank, something that the locals were not aware of. So the story was covered widely at the time, but had a, back down after infield residents expressed concerns that more press coverage was likely to encourage monster hunters. Oh, okay. That makes sense. While it is speculated that the creature might have been an escaped kangaroo or a wild <laughs> ape, because apparently that was commonly reported actually around apparently. that area. Yeah. <laughs> McDaniel continued to assert that he seen an alien from outer space. He was for sure that that would happen and that there were just going to be more of them, undoubtedly. Either way, whether via alien or firearm or rogue kangaroo, (laughs) Enfield was not a safe place for the time. And who knows, maybe even now. (laughs) 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 Who can say if the Enfield monster is truly gone? Whether an actual extraterrestrial or just a wild animal, Enfield might be a place to steer clear of on late nights. That's very ominous. I know. I love how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> and that is some of the five creepy monsters that makes me laugh. And that you've probably never heard of. I have not heard of any of those. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> now, Anvil is one of the places that was on the list we could have moved. Okay. Glad I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, you dodged a bullet. <laughs> I don't need no aliens in my life. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm good. Yes, I I am okay. I don't I don't fuck with aliens. Yeah, those were good. I hadn't heard of a single one. I even researching today. I didn't even run across those. So yeah, I don't know what I want to do next. So I'm gonna roll. Mm-hmm. No, that's yours. <laughs> that's yours again. That's yours again. Random. That's me. Okay. Perfect. Uh, 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 uh. All right. So, my random word came from Stacy, who will be on our mini gab next week. Woo! So, I'm going to do flying scary things. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> on November 12th, 1966, in Clendenin, Clendenin, that's what it looks like. Clendenin, West Virginia, a grave digger working in a cemetery spotted something strange. He glanced up from his work when something huge soared over his head, a massive figure that was moving rapidly across the cemetery from tree to tree that he would later describe as a, quote, brown human being, <laughs> which in hindsight, torture's choice of words, dude. I know. <laughs> sounds so mad. <laughs> Not great. Not great. But I digress. So. 
this was the first reported sighting of what would become the Mothman. Dun, dun, dun. Just three days after the grave diver- digger's initial report in nearby Point Pleasant, West Virginia, two couples noticed a gray-winged creature about six or seven feet tall standing in front of their car when they were inside of it. Eyewitnesses Roger Scarberry and Steve Mallett told the local newspaper, the Point Pleasant Register, that the beast had bright red eyes about six inches apart, a wingspan of 10 feet, and that it seemed to want to avoid the bright lights of the headlights of the car. It seems very specific. Like, if you're terrified, how do you know the exact feet of its eyeballs? I don't know. That's not what I'm going to fixate if I see some giant winged monster in front of my car. Yeah. And get be reversing the fuck out of there. I'm not going to note how large its wingspan is. Anyway, two kinds of people, right? (laughs) (laughs) According to witnesses, the creature was able to fly at incredible speeds, perhaps as much as 100 miles per hour, as one of the men told the reporter. Although all agreed that it did make for a clumsy runner when it was on the ground. (laughs) I just want to think of that. Like, you're scared of it, but then it's, like, tripping over its shit because it can't run. So, and like any good harbinger of doom, the Mothman is said to possess a blood-curdling shriek that's been known to make those who hear it experience nausea and vertigo, which are two of my least favorite things on this whole goddamn planet. Nausea and vertigo. I hate both. (laughs) Stay the hell away from this thing. (laughs) Knowing how absurd this must have sounded to local papers in the small Appalachian community in the 1960s, Scarberry insisted that the apparition couldn't have been a figment of his imagination. He assured the paper, quote, If I had seen it by myself, I wouldn't have said anything, but there were four of us who saw it. So he's basically saying I wouldn't have said shit because you think I was crazy, but four of us saw it, so four people can't be crazy. The papers at this point were skeptical, calling it a bird or a mysterious creature, though they did print his description as a man with wings. But more and more sightings were spotted at Point Pleasant over the next year as the legend of Mothman took shape. The Gettysburg Times reported eight additional sightings in a short span of three days following the first claims, including two volunteer firefighters who supposedly saw what they described as a very large bird with very large red eyes. <laughs> I, I think that's like a common thing. A lot of these cryptids have these like giant red eyes. Right, creepy. One sighting reported by Salem, West Virginia resident Newell Partridge told of a strange pattern that appeared on his television screen one evening, followed by a mysterious sound outside his home. He shined a flashlight towards the direction of the noise And he supposedly witnessed two red eyes that resembled bicycle reflectors looking back at him. This is apparently a very well-known story because he also said that it took his dog and flew away. So, again, tragic. Why are these things eat dogs? (laughs) (laughs) So if you live near corn or (laughs) woods, no dogs. Leave the puppies alone. Uh, and then I'm going to bust burble bubble. Dr. Robert L. Smith, associate professor of wild biology at West Virginia University, dismissed the notion that there was a flying monster stalking the town. And he attributed the sightings to a sandhill crane, 
which stands almost as tall as an adult man and has bright red eyes. But That's people like, range. yeah, they're Sorry, like, that no, everything has bright red eyes. Yeah, they're like, no, nah, it's an animal. But these people weren't having it. This explanation was a buzzkill, but it was compelling, especially given the number of reports that it described the creature to be bird-like. So all of them did say it looked like a bird. So they're like, obviously it's a bird. And some people hypothesize that the crane was perhaps deformed because that area was like a TNT bunker in World War II. So a lot of them suggested maybe some of the shit leaked. And this is like some deformed, toxic, material, waste, bird thing. Which is still scary. Even if it's like a mutant, it's still terrifying. (laughs) Another Point Pleasant legend states that the creation of the Mothman was nothing more than the work of one very committed prankster. Who went as far as hiding in an abandoned World War II munitions plant where many of the sightings occurred. But a lot of people say that that doesn't really pan out because he had been incredibly dedicated. And who has the time for that? Honestly. The Mothman also bears a striking resemblance to several demon archetypes found among those who experience sleep paralysis. Perhaps suggesting that some of these were visions in an embodiment of a typical human fear. Pulled from the depths of the unconscious and grafted into a real life bird human thingy. So... (laughs) Although I've never had sleep paralysis, so I don't, I can't speak to how terrifying that is, but it sounds horrible. Emery has issues with really? that. Mm-hmm. Only once since we've been together. And he said he used to be worse when he was younger. Apparently woke up one in the middle of the night and he couldn't move. And I am a heavy sleeper. <laughs> and he's like, he was, said he was so mad because he can't <laughs> move and he can't wake me up for Aww. me to like kind of calm down. And luckily it didn't last very long, but... Mm-hmm. But yeah, it only happened the one time, though, and it is it is terrifying. You feel super helpless, and Emory yeah. being such a survivalist, that is his worst fear. Oh, which might be a reason why he does have that problem, because he's so anti, mm-hmm. you know, he ha- when he sits down, he has to face the door. He always has a knife on him. He's just always got to be protected. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I pick on his protection, because I'm like, when have you been attacked? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Yeah, that would be terrifying. Do not want. No. So, of course, there's a bunch of people saying that there's paranormal explanations for this, because of course there is. And some of the theories are aliens, obviously. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) They paint Mothman as either a harbinger of doom or a more sinister legend that has its roots in a tragedy that befell the Point Pleasant (laughs) community shortly after the Both. Oh, my God. Bothman. There's no B in the whole sentence. Yes. Mothman. <laughs> Mothman. <laughs> Can that be a sticker? Bothman. No, 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 no. All right. So, on December 15th, 1967, just over a year after the first sighting, traffic was especially bad. The Silver Bridge, which was built in 1928, connected Point Pleasant to Galapagos, Ohio. And it was packed with cars from end to end. It was built in the time when cars were lighter. So the Model T weighed about 1,500 pounds. But then the average car in 1967 was 4,000 pounds. So imagine it just packed with all those cars being 4,000 and above. Its engineers hadn't 
been very imaginative when they came to the future, so they didn't design it to carry that much weight. And on a cool December day, without warning, a single eye bar near the top of the bridge of the Ohio side cracked. The chain snapped and the bridge fell into pieces, plunging the cars and pedestrians into the icy water of the Ohio River below. Yikes. (laughs) 46 people drowned or were crushed in the wreckage. It was the second terrible and bizarre thing to happen to that small community. So... The idea that visitations from the Mothman predicted disaster led some people to believe that it was tied to Chernobyl disaster of 1986, the Mexican swine flu outbreak of 2009, the 2011 nuclear disaster at Fukushima, Japan, and, of course, 9-11. So, people are busy with these conspiracy theories. In 1975, author John Keel created the Mothman book that kind of conflated the whole thing and then that led to movies and it became increasingly popular. The Mothman can still be seen in Point Pleasant today in the form of a historical museum. It's open seven days a week and also have a 12 foot tall chrome polished statue complete with massive seal wings and ruby red eyes. Ooh, Sounds super fancy. It does. I was actually looking at the museum. They have props from the film like the book they turn into a movie and they have newspaper clippings from all the sightings they have all the photos and video footage people supposedly made they have replicas like a lot of those and then they've made documentaries and stuff you can watch so it actually looks like a pretty legit museum (laughs) this actually sounds pretty cool i would i would go to that (laughs) i I was intrigued i didn't want to go they also have a festival commemorating the mothman's visit it happens annually and it attracts a lot of tourists. So if you're passing by West Virginia this September, consider swinging by the festivities because it's one of the uh, most strangest and intriguing local legends that they have. And then the next flying scary thing happened in 2017. That's really not that long ago. I know. That's crazy. Seven foot tall bat-like humanoid appeared in Lincoln Park area of Chicago. The winged being, according to some witnesses, resembled the famous Mothman of Point Pleasant. And others described it as more of bat-like instead of the moth-like, I guess. (laughs) But other people are just like, it's just a fucking large owl. Which also seems to be a common thread. Everybody's like, it's just an owl, people. Stop. (laughs) While testimony concerning the appearance of this creature varies, one recurring theme seems to be consistent. That everybody that sees it feels a sense of dread and doom. And they sense that a tragedy is upon them. And that's also a thing with the Mothman. When you see it, you're supposed to feel like completely terrified. And you feel like something horrible is going to happen. And then something horrible does happen. Like a bridge falling and killing a bunch of people. The most recent incident on June 3rd occurred in Lincoln Park around 10 p.m. The couple, who wished to remain anonymous, finished a late dinner and were out for a walk when they saw a strange being. According to the report, it was a 7 to 8 foot solid black humanoid with membrane wings that resembled those of a huge bat. The wingspan was at least 12 feet. The head was prominent, thinner than a human head. The back end of the body tapered to a point. There was no legs that they noticed, but could have been tucked up under the body. The figure was (laughs) gliding quickly along the length of the street heading east, then suddenly ascended into the night sky. Neither heard any sound. Both witnesses told 
They reported that they felt a sense of foreboding and were still terrified even after an hour of the encounter. The second interesting case in the sighting was March 22nd and a local truck driver and Chicago local Billy Bance. That sounds like a comic book character. Billy Bance. Bance was delivering <laughs> a shipment when he noticed something strange in the air. It looked like a flying Batmobile. <laughs> that's why I included this. I thought that was uh, funny. I, as soon as you said it, I'm like, yeah, that's why that's here. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I was sitting in a semi-trailer around noon. I saw this object coming from Route 55 to Cicero. I saw it gliding and not too fast. No sound. And I saw that it wasn't a drone. And it was also the size of a large car. It climbed higher and turned twice. And I can tell you, it was gliding just like a bird. It almost went straight up and I lost it in the clouds. He also says that the incident affected his life. And he says the more times he talks about it, his worst gets luck or his luck gets worse. I just completely okay. reversed the whole sentence. He said his mom, <laughs> his mom died three weeks ago. And he's like, I don't know what to think at this point. So that's really, that's sad. Sorry, dude. I hope that me talking about this on a podcast doesn't make your look worse. It's fine. Uh, he said other people have reported seeing a strange flying humanoid over Chicago, but a lot of people are afraid to really talk about it because they don't want to sound crazy, which, you know. Fair enough. Understandable. And as reports continued, the host Van Nesbitt and Jennifer Ann of the Paranormal Podcast, Acrylic Ranch, went out on their own to investigate and try to catch the monster. They experienced some odd battery drainage of their equipment, but they found nothing. And boom, my word was battery. It took a while to get there, but my random word was battery. (laughs) It was really difficult. (laughs) Okay. But I was determined. So she used a random word generator, which I find adorable. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) and then i got one last scary flying thing hear me out the bat squatch i'm listening i'm in i'm all right half ape half bat monster (laughs) (laughs) i'm just wondering what parts of what is there (laughs) which is fine because a lot of our patreon are from washington so it's located in washington and it's not far (laughs) from portland and seattle near mount st helens so, in March of 1980, the region was rocked when Mount St. Helens experienced a major volcanic eruption that unleashed destruction on a catastrophic scale. It flattened trees, buildings, with an area of 230 square miles. It spewed massive amounts of ash and 1.5 million metric tons of sulfur dioxide into the air. It created the largest debris avalanche ever recorded in the United States. I remember my mom saying that there was actually ash raining in Arkansas. This is just a massive explosion. It was so violent that it actually obliterated the entire top of the mountain. So the summit was 9,677 feet, and then it was 8,363 feet. Whole top gone. And it left a giant crater. And then once the dust cleared, uh, there was a lot of people dead and a lot of homes destroyed. So that's really sad. That's, That's not my story. Anyway, so apparently this eruption made way... For giant bat monster. Dun, dun, dun. Giant bat monster. <laughs> but also to this day, it's the single most destructive volcanic event ever happened in the United States. So tragic. 
But in the wake of its destruction, rumors began to come in from people claiming to have seen a humanoid creature with an ape-like body, glowing eyes, and sweeping bat wings lurking in remote areas of the devastation. Whatever it was, it was most described as being rather sinister, (laughs) emanating an intense feeling of dread, and there were even claims that it killed pets for livestock. Seriously, dudes, leave the puppies alone. <laughs> Ooh, they said all pets. I don't think it's just dogs. Not that time. Well, I guess. Still, I don't like it. Yet, while these sightings began trickling in from the 1980s, they were not taken very seriously. And it wasn't until 1994 that the sighting would re- like launch a real interest into the case. So, in April of 1994, a young man named Brian Canfield was driving along a remote stretch of road when his vehicle abruptly and unexpectedly stopped in his tracks. He considered that his pickup was uh, in perfect working conditions and that he had not stepped on the brakes, so he was very confused, as you would be. (laughs) He was at a loss of what it would be, and he tried over and over again to start the truck, And then he soon saw something gliding into his headlights. It was an absolutely massive winged humanoid ape-like creature estimated to be around nine feet tall. And as it got closer, he saw a bluish tinged fur, a muzzled bat-like face with sharp teeth and glowing eyes, taloned feet, and he looked like some kind of bird of prey. This sighting was widely reported in the media and it brought this like media frenzy, which is a... Another thing that seems very common in these stories. And the media deemed it the bat squatch. was a very fun word to say. (laughs) But all the news things were like, oh, he's so normal. He's so well adjusted. He doesn't do drugs. He doesn't even drink. So he can't be making this up. So obviously it's true. So that's how that all went down. And then (laughs) a year later, something very similar happened. A local named Butch Whittaker claimed that he had been flying his plane over Mount Rainier during midday when an enormous winged humanoid creature flew up next to him and actually kept pace with him for a few minutes before flying off. I think that'd be more scary. Like, you're flying, you look over, and this thing's, like, looking at you like, hey, dude, I don't, I wouldn't like that. Wouldn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really creepy. Yeah, and then there was another one in 1998 where this log truck hit something and everybody jumped out of their cars to see they thought a log had fallen off and the guy had hit that and they realized there was nothing there. And when they looked around, they saw the thing flying away. There's been a, a lot of sightings in 2009. Hikers on Mount Shasta in Northern California said they were frightened to see a flying humanoid with bat-like face coming out of a cave on the mountainside. These were all very recent. Like, a lot of the stuff is very ancient, but this is very in our lifetimes, which seems more creepy to me. I I feel like I think we have it more reversed because normally I'm the one that stays more close to lifetime. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of theories as to what this actually is. Some people say that it's some kind of creature that actually exists that might have been flushed out from its habitat because of the eruption of the volcano. And that seems kind of logical because, you know, if you think about the ocean, there's so many things in it that we don't even know exist because they're so deep. So mm-hmm. if something was living, you know, deep in the mountain, it's possible. Another is that it might be supernatural, perhaps a demon or a portent. What's a portent? Portent of doom or a specter similar to the Mothman. 
with its presence in the region directly related to the eruption or even the cause of it. Yet another idea is that the eruption was violent enough to tear a hole into the fabric between two dimensions. (laughs) (laughs) And that this beast came in through the rift. That made me laugh really hard. Um, My favorite part about this is that Rogue Ales makes an IPA called the Bat Squatch. And it's very popular. And it has a really cool uh, can. So check out that beer. It's a New England IPA. I hate IPAs. So this is for everybody else that enjoys us. I would try them. <laughs> They're too hoppy for me. I do not enjoy. I'm not usually crazy about them, but I'll, I'll try it. There's a couple I like. And just for the title alone, I'm like, I'll try it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would drink it just because it's called Bat Squatch. <laughs> Man, yeah, that's crazy. But it is true. The bursting out of the mountain, like if it was hibernating for so many years, that is probably the most logical sense. <laughs> yeah. Things like Nessie, if there was a trench or something, there's possible that something prehistoric could be living in a trench or even deep into a volcano that we don't know about. So this world's full of crazy shit we don't know exists. Us puny little humans can't even comprehend. I know. We like to think we're top of the food chain, but... Probably not. Or we only are just because we're tools. (laughs) That's it. I mean, you think about bears and just your regular animals. Most of them are stronger than us or have the teeth and the claws to really Mm -hmm. get at us. But we do have our awareness and our tools Mm -hmm. to help. But flying bat beasts, good lord. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to see that in a dark alley. No. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Or flying next to my airplane. (laughs) No, thanks. (laughs) Okay, I'm done. (laughs) Um, What would you like next? You want me to roll? Sure. Weird or historical? Weird! Okay. Another fun, wacky list of awesome monsters and cryptids. <laughs> For my weird, we are going to France. And these words will be butchered because in French, you only pronounce like three letters out of the word. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't expect to know how to pronounce any of these. <laughs> <laughs> Just act I'm very gonna, confident and slurred a little bit, and you'll be fine. I mean, well, yeah, there's some of them I probably can kind of guess, but, you know, one example is hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> really? <laughs> I took a semester of French, and I know nothing. Money well spent, I'm short. <laughs> I made attempts to learn via Duolingo, and Delphine has taught me some words. Madeline taught me some words when I was little. That's about it. The only thing I remember from Madeline is bonjour tout le monde, which is hello everyone. And uh, that's about it. And no, je ne suis pas means I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> je yeah. m'appelle Kina. My name is. Uh, comment ça va? How are you? Mm-hmm. Oh, the basic shit. Okay, moving on. French cryptids. Number one is Luton. I think I'm just going to go the most redneck way to say all these. That's going to amuse me at least. <laughs> There's bound to be a similar creature in wherever you're from. It's basically a gnome. It's like a type of hobgoblin. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's also referred to as a dwarf, an elf, a leprechaun, a pixie. But these figures primarily are, they are more folklorish, but they're part of Normandy. It's just so cool. And the Anglo-Saxon counterparts, Lutons also play a role in their Christmas. 
as they are ones who assist Pierre Noel. I'm like, that's kind of oh, cool. I know hey. that, we talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's why I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to add this. <laughs> Terrasquay. Yep. That sounds good. It's not right at all. I can like I can see it. No, that's wrong. We're gonna like I said, we're rolling with this. This creature and legend was sent to hail from the sea of Nurluk in province, and is basically a mishmash of creature limbs and animal parts. It looks like a dragon, but has the head of a lion, three pairs of short bear legs. So it's got six legs, and they like little little cylinder bear like legs and a body of an ox which is covered in a turtle shell oh this is all kinds of fucked up that's so cool <laughs> and on top of all of that it has a scaly tail that ends with a scorpion's tail Ew. each part is of course designed to maim or kill or if you're lucky to escape a horrific traumatized future <laughs> the legend says that king of nurluk battled the tarsk with knights and weapons but only saint martha was able to tame the beast through prayers and hymns despite being tamed the townspeople still killed the creature but later on regretted doing so after martha preached to them about christianity to make up for what they've done they renamed the town tarscon in honor of the slain beast oh wow i like that one the name rogue name rogue is literally red dwarf that's what it stands for. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a Luton, which is that it's from Normandy. And it's described as a small childlike <laughs> person. It's blazing red eyes and long rotten teeth. <laughs> it's got red and black fur boots. Complete his getup. And <laughs> don't let the devilish leer fool you. He's not merely a trickster. He's also a harbinger of doom. Oh, no. The Nain Rogue is popular in Detroit, Michigan, actually. So this one's kind of like brought to us from Mm -hmm. immigrants and is a mainstay in local urban legends and is said that the Nain Rogue may be spotted prior to major catastrophic events like the Battle of Bloody Run, the fire in 1805, the War of 1812, the 12th Street Riot in 1967, and the snowstorm in 1976. Oh, wow. As a present, there is an annual costumed parade in Michigan that features the burning of the Nain Rogue. (laughs) And so it's just to drive away this pesky dwarf. Oh, that's weird, because that's the same thing with the Mothman. When you see it, something bad happens. That's Mm -hmm. crazy. Omen. Lou Carl, it is a snail. (laughs) It is a serpent. And uh, it's a little freaky monster. So... This is Lou, and it's not regular, nice Lou that you would know from work. Uh, This is a super scary snail serpent Lou. He has long tentacles and massive serpent-like body that mostly hides underground until he's ready to snap. Oh, no. And he paralyzes you with his hairy, slimy limbs. And then he eats you. No. Yeah. How? You had me at snail. You lost me at serpent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> definitely lost me at the like eating me thing <laughs> I, know. Like, I was like that didn't get you Mm-mm. Mm-mm. and by long tentacles we mean that it extends by several miles so that's what's really funny it's like a thing like, it has huge mile long tentacles that have no hope of escape I'm like really 
I really think. But <laughs> unless you're a fighting swordsman with expert fighting abilities, there is nothing left for you but to cry and say a little prayer. <laughs> that, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> the Magado or Mandigo. Mandigo. Uh, this creature has passed along the stories for generations in southern France. And it's basically a spirit animal. Kind of cryptid going on. Because there are like a few sightings of it, but it's so ancient now. It's kind of, it's that one that a lot of these like fall on that line. Like it's been seen or like they, they say it has, but mm-hmm. anyways, among its favorite forms include a black cat, a dog, a cow, a fox, or even a rat. Oh, while considered to be an evil, other accounts say that the Bogados can be actually helpful could even bring wealth to a home if it's well fed. <laughs> like it says it likes to eat like a fresh plump chicken. And there are plenty of versions of how to care for your Magato by <laughs> but the bottom line is if you get something out of it, expect to give something in return to. It's a give and take kind of thing. Well that's a nice change, but but you went from Harbinger of Doom to hey, well I'll bring you some wealth. If you it's feed nice. it, you might get you get lucky with some stuff. Next is Peluda. This literally means hairy or shaggy beast. And it's sometimes referred to as La Value, which is French for hairy. So it's <laughs> Peluda. It's a mix of assortment of beasts. And it is part porcupine stingers, a snake's head and neck, tortoise feet, serpent no. tail. No. All of that into one. They were sold to all these mixed together as sort of like a stinger-tipped green-colored dragon, which was said to have terrorized Le Ferret Bernard in France during the medieval times. Oh, wow. Its super abilities include a breath that could wither crops and quills that could be fired like arrows and overall invulnerability except for its tail. And maybe its neck, supposedly. And, of course, with its colossal size, it can also create floods by simply stepping on rivers and inflict lethal strikes with its tail and even split out a stream of acid. In short, it's basically an all-in-one military super weapon slash strike team. Holy shit. I'll pass. The last one I will talk about, there are more on this. So whenever I add this to our page or Facebook or whatever we do, however you like to look at it, <laughs> there are actually like 15 of these. I'm only reading you some of my favorite ones, but there are there's a lot of really other good ones too. So the last one I shall share is the Cheval Malay, and that is basically an evil horse. Oh no, not a horsey. <laughs> I know, I like horses. And it is evil, but it's also quite fabulous. <laughs> this evil but fabulous horse appeared in French folklore, specifically around the French eras of Vendier, Potut, and the Pézerez. The horse's modus operandi is to appear in the middle of the night and hang out in roads to lure wealthy travelers. When oh. the exhausted traveler sees a fabulous horse all saddled and bridled, and he decides to take a ride, the poor, ill-advised traveler would most likely never be seen again. Oh, no. So basically, it's the old hitchhiker story, but it's a mm. horse. I, I love how it's not just a horse. It's a fabulous horse. Yeah. Well, and they have like, a little cartoon drawing of it, and it is pretty fabulous. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's a white horse with gray hair. Quite pretty. Aw. I'd probably be a sucker for that, too. 
I would. I'm like, <laughs> take me now. <laughs> I love horses. I had a friend that had horses, and we would ride them sometimes. And every time they would go out of town, my mom and I would take care of them. It was nice. That's sweet. I always wanted horses, but we didn't have, we had the land. We just didn't have the right kind of fence. <sighs> so that's, that's it, right? Yep, that's all I got for tonight. We've, we've made it through part one cryptids. What? <laughs> so, we've said it a lot, and I'll say it again. You should join Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> you should, because we do a lot of awesome things on there. You get all kinds of bonus stuff that we don't share publicly. Mm-hmm. I just found out about this other podcast that the only thing they offer extra to their patrons are early content. Everything's free, but you just get it early. Oh, and so, yeah, to me, that's lame. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own. But, yeah, we got a list, like, 20 bullets long of everything you get for us. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely stuff nobody else nobody will, nobody else will get. Yeah, I get English. But, yeah, we got extra episodes. We got book chats. So, Natalie does a thing once a week where she just does, like, a prompt. And then everybody talks to her about book stuff. It's really cool. It's really great discussions. It's, like... Things you have read, things you will have read, things you're interested in. It's really cool. Everybody and, uh, seems to really like it. So, I, I mean, I'm all about it. I've already started reading some of the books that people have recommended, and they're really good. <laughs> yes. No, we have a great time. We love talking to them, and we've they're like legit friends now. So yeah. definitely join a little fam because that's what it is. Everybody's getting to know each other. We did. Our ranting. Little... Kina has her little art rant. That's hilarious. Oh. And then her <laughs> husband's enthusiastic or lack of enthusiasm, <laughs> I should say, reaction to the paintings she picks. <laughs> God. Yeah, he's so funny. I wanted to include him because he thinks he's funny. So at the end, I'm just like, what do you think it is? Who do you think did it? Do you think I liked it or hate it? And the last one was basically a giant vagina. So his reaction was hilarious. So. <laughs> It's kind of my goal, <laughs> just to shock everybody as much as I can, because art is amazing. And uh, we also do, we send postcards out for higher tiers, you get merch, you know, just all kinds of stuff. So, and we're doing our little incentive right now. You join, you get a lot of cool stuff. Like we decided you're going to come on a mini gab and we'll do the history of your town. Well, basically the haunted shit you should go investigate. You get a cool merch thing. And uh, how to ghost hunt for dummies. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It just makes me laugh every time I think about it. <laughs> oh, God, it makes me laugh. Such a good time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely that. And then you guys know the drill. Social media, email, all that good stuff. Historical AF. That's our theme. Yeah. Historical AF. Instagram. <laughs> uh, Facebook. Twitter. Gmail. Historical AF. Yeah, send us your stuff, like our stuff, comment, message us. We'll take it all. We love it all. Yeah, share, share, share. Tell everybody you know about it. And review. Uh, yeah. please review so people can find us. Yeah. We have to share all these golden nuggets of our insaneness. Oh, no. And vagina paintings, apparently, to people. <laughs> and dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not for everybody, but we're for a lot of people. So let's find them. We're relatable. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, bye. Bye.